And we are continuing in our legendary series where we are discovering, maybe for the first time, or rediscovering, like never before, these ancient, legendary stories from the Old Testament scriptures in the Bible. Not because we just need to remind ourselves what happened way back then, but because we need to discover what God has to teach us through those stories for our lives in the present today. And there's so much. Today, we are talking about the story, the famous story, the big story of Abraham and his son Isaac, but not just in general. We're going to focus in, because there's a lot to talk about here, we're going to focus in on the moment and build up to the moment when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac as a burnt offering in worship to God. I'm sorry, come again? What's that? But yeah, yeah. God asked Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a burnt offering in worship to him. I mean, if everything inside of you is just grinding to a screeching halt right now, going, what? Like, there's something so wrong with that. I don't even know how to process that. I don't even have a category in my brain for something like that. Then you're not alone. I agree with you. Like, what kind of God would, what kind of God would ask a father to do? Yeah, 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 I, I feel that too. I feel that too. Absolutely. But here's what you need to know there's a backstory. There's a backstory. Very much like a movie that you start watching or a TV show that you start watching and immediately right up front, there's all this action going on and somebody's chasing somebody, somebody's shooting at somebody, somebody's running from somebody and, and there's all these characters like, I don't know who that is and I don't know who that is and I don't know who the, I don't know who the bad guys are, I don't know who the good guys are, I don't know what's going on. It's kind of chaotic or you just, I, I feel like I've just kind of descended into something that's already happening and just about the time you get so frustrated, you just turn it off, right? That's by design. The scene stops, cuts to a completely different scene. And at the bottom of the screen, it says, 10 years earlier, right? So now they're going to take you back and build you to the point where that chaotic scene occurred again. And so that when you get there again, you go, oh, yeah, now this, I have a context now for what's going on. You should feel that right now. When I say, God asked Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a burnt offering and worship to him, you should go, oh, wait a second, I must be missing something because that almost seems, no, no, that seems Godless. And then, well, what is that about? We'll, we'll get there. But first, the backstory. Years before, God told Abraham something that was practically unbelievable, even though Abraham chose to believe God. What God told Abraham was almost impossible for him to get, to get his mind around and to accept, but he, by faith, trusted God and believed him. This is what God told Abraham. Abraham, all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. All the families. That, that's all of them, which means my family and your family and everybody's family, somehow on the earth, from Abraham on, will be better off, blessed, influenced through your family and what happens through your family line. Now, 
And again, this is ancient times. Abraham could possibly fathom how big this is going to be. And so he goes on and gives a little bit more detail. He says, I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. He, he describes it as the sands of the sea and as many as the stars in the sky. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. This is an everlasting. This is the everlasting covenant. Hmm. Problem, though. Problem. Abraham had no children. Okay, so I got no kids, and you're telling me, you're telling me that, that my descendants, so in order to have descendants, don't you need a descendant? Yeah. So Abraham had no kids, and it gets better. He's 99 years old. And his wife, Sarah, is 90 years old. They've closed up shop. <laughs> Got it? Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't get this. I don't, I don't get it. And here's what's interesting. Um, God gave them specifics, too. Not only are you going to have a descendant, you're going to have a son. And you're going to name your son Isaac. Wouldn't it have been great if God would have just told you what to name your kid wouldn't have just saved so much. Get your people go through all this crap to name their kids, right? It's, it's just a name, right? Just pick one kind of thing. And I know you want yours to be unique. So you pick a normal sounding name, but you spell it like it's never been spelled before. You think you're being cute, but your kid is going to be tortured for the rest of their life. No, that's not how you spell my name. No, no, it's not how you spell my name. That's Frank with a P-H, okay? <laughs> it's Frank, it's a P-H. I know, I know, right? Stop that. Your pastor is asking you to go back to normal names, Joe, Bill, Frank with an F, please. Help us all. Thank you. You're dismissed. No, no. God said you're going to have a son, and I want you to name your son Isaac. Okay, well, that takes care of that. And here's what Abraham and Sarah do. They did exactly what you and I would have done. If you were 99, your wife was 90, or you were 90 and your husband was 99, and you had no kids, and God says, your descendants are going to be so great, like the sands of the sea and the stars in the sky, you would laugh. And that's what they did. You're like, well, I wouldn't laugh if God said, yes, you would. And you know why? Because that's funny. <laughs> Old people like that don't have kids by design, right? But guess what happened? God followed through on what he said. And God was true to his word. Sarah got pregnant, and she had a son. And they named him Isaac. All of that is the backstory. Many years, fast forward, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith, which God has the prerogative to do at any time in any place with any of us. God tested Abraham's faith, not because God didn't know the quality of Abraham's faith. We'll come back to that, but because God wanted Abraham to grow and discover something in his own life. That's what he said. Take your son, your only son, Yes, Isaac, as if Abraham didn't know which son he was talking about. Whom you love so much. So God is just kind of letting him know, I, I know this is what I'm getting ready to ask you to do is going to be really hard. 
And I want you to go to the land of Moriah. And I want you to go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. This was beyond child dedication. As a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Again, everything inside of you right now is probably going, yeah, time out, time out, time out. Here's something I discovered years ago that helped me process this and helped me get to where I could at least make progress mentally in this journey of the story. In ancient culture, in ancient times that Abraham was living in, as odd as it seems to me and you, as crazy, as unloving and as godless as it seems, as unholy as it feels, Child sacrifice in ancient times that Abraham was living in was a common practice. It was not out of the question that if you had a firstborn, and especially a firstborn son, that at some point that child may be sacrificed to the gods. Get this. They believed to ensure future fertility. I bring this up because at least we know that Abraham had a context in his brain, a category in his mind where these kinds of things happen, where these kinds of things might happen. And perhaps, we don't know for sure, we don't know exactly what Abraham was thinking this whole time. We got bits and pieces, but maybe Abraham was going, I was afraid this day might come. I don't know if that helps you. That helps me just a little bit. doesn't help me a lot. But it helps me a little bit go, okay, it's barbaric, it's senseless, this is crazy. But this was how barbaric these ancient times were. This was a common practice. So at least that might explain why Abraham may not have protested, even though his heart was no doubt breaking. So Abraham gathered all the materials. He got Isaac and two servants, and they took off to Mount Moriah. Now, there was a key moment along the way, a key moment that provided a couple of times during this story, you'll see some foreshadowing, and you know what foreshadowing is. This is one of those moments, a key foreshadowing moment. You know, when you're watching a movie and the plot is just a little confusing, a little confusion, not quite sure where this thing is going, and then something happens, and you're like, I don't fully understand that, but I bet that's gonna be important. I bet that's going to be important. That's foreshadowing. And there's usually somebody in the room, your husband, your wife, that likes to spoil it for everybody and go, oh, that's going to be important. Just let me, yeah. This is one of those moments. <laughs> Abraham said to the servants, y'all stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will travel a little farther and we will worship there and then we will come right back. Uh, okay, I'm sorry, say that again. And then we will come right back. I thought you were going to sacrifice. I thought you, and usually if you go to sacrifice, the sacrifice person doesn't come back. Two go, one come back. But somehow Abraham is saying, now we will be right back. What was he thinking when he said that? That's a great question. One that we will answer in just a little bit. So they went on their way. And Isaac has a question, which is fascinating to me because there's a whole separate side of this story that what was it like from Isaac's standpoint, right? What was he thinking? What was going through his head? Because, you know, he was a participant in this too. He was old enough to understand what was going on, as we will see. 
And parents, grandparents, remember, there are little eyes watching our journey with God, our journey with Jesus. They watch, they notice, they learn, they listen, and they are impacted far more than we will ever imagine. They borrow our faith. Our faith helps shape theirs. Yeah. Isaac has a question. Isaac says, Dad, um, we got fire, we got wood for the fire. We got stuff to make an altar, but we got, we got nothing to sacrifice. Dad, I've, I've done this with you before, right? We've, we've done this before, and, and all of this stuff is what we usually take, but there's no lamb, there's no sheep, there's no goat, there's, there's... And this is what Abraham told his son. He said, God will provide. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering. So they keep going. Another foreshadowing moment we'll come back to. They get to the place that God had told them to go. And Abraham begins building an altar. Gets the altar built. The scriptures tell us that he prepared Isaac. This, This is fascinating. The Jewish rabbis of old refer to the story as the binding of Isaac. The binding of Isaac. So Abraham prepares the altar. Then he prepares his son. And again, we have no indication that there was a a, a fight, that there was resistance. And then he takes his son and he lays Isaac on the altar. And as unthinkable it is for me, as hard to imagine as it is for you. The scripture says that Abraham picked up his knife and he raised his knife to do what it was that God asked him to do. As unthinkable as it might be. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, don't lay a hand on that boy. The knife comes down. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. And it's not the word fear there is not afraid of God. The word fear there means respect, honor, reverent God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Watch what happens now. Then Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by its thorns in a thicket. (laughs) So he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering. I love these last five words. In place of his son. At this point, if you have allowed yourself to emotionally get pulled in to this story, as I hope you have in this moment. At this moment, everything inside of you, inside of me, inside of us, should let out a collective, (gasps) wow, that was so close. 
You see, God had no intention. We see this now. We look back and we have the luxury of seeing it put together so beautifully, so powerfully. God had absolutely no intention whatsoever of allowing Abraham to go through with sacrificing Isaac. But Abraham did not know that. When you look at this, just amazed at the faith, at the level of trust that Abraham had for God. Now, at that point, there's some other details there that I'll leave out for your own reading. And I, I encourage you to read this, Genesis 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22 in the, in the Old Testament. The angel of the Lord reiterated the promise of God to Abraham. He just said, I told you that God's going to bless you and your descendants will be as many as the stars in the sky and the sands of the sea. All the descendants of the earth will be blessed through your family. There's so much here to unpack. There is so much that we could talk about, but I want to just focus on two takeaways Two takeaways. There's a takeaway that I believe that is so beautiful and powerful and obvious here in the story that has to do with God. And then the second one has more to do with us, me and, and, and you and, and our journey. Here's the first takeaway. When I, when I look at this story, it dawns on me that what God is doing is always bigger than you can imagine. And, and I hope it dawns on you the same. What God is doing, whatever he's doing, whether you see it or not, know it or not, feel it or not, understand it or not, can explain it or not, what God is doing, whatever God is doing, it seems to be a pattern here. It's always bigger than we can imagine. There's always more layers to it. It's always deeper. It's always far-reaching to an extent that we can't fathom. It involves more people than we assume. In the times when you think that what's going on in your life is just about the here and the now and the moment, and it's really not that big of a deal, and nobody sees and nobody notices and nobody cares, your life is pretty humdrum and boring, you need to know that what God is doing, whether you see it or not, feel it or not, know it or not, can explain it or not, is always bigger than you can imagine. Abraham had no idea he had no idea what God was doing. He had no idea what was at stake. He had no idea the impact and the influence that his life and his decisions were gonna have when he decided to trust God enough to do what God asked him to do. He had no clue, and neither do you. Neither do we. It's always bigger. Let's go back to that moment that... that first foreshadowing moment we talked about where Isaac was like, okay, dad, we got, um, we got wood and we got stuff to build an altar. We got, we got most everything, but we don't have, we don't have a sacrifice. And I want to go back and read that answer that Abraham gave Isaac again, but this time I want to read it from a different version, a different translation of the Hebrew scriptures, the, the old English King James version. I, I love this um, translation of what was going on in the Hebrew text because it brings out a, a part of, of what was happening there that is so beautiful, so powerful, and again, very layered, very deep, 
So just go with me on this. Dad, Dad, we got, we got wood. We got stuff to build an altar. We have no sacrifice. Here's what Abraham says, and the King James Version records it. My son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. God will provide, I love this next word, himself, himself, himself. I think there's a couple layers to this. Come on, just, just geek out with me just for a moment, okay? On, 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 the, on these little, you're like, what, what's that about? The thing, it's, it's one thing to say that God's gonna provide a sacrifice. God's gonna provide it himself. He's gonna do it. He's gonna take it upon himself to provide a sacrifice. We can trust God and just know that it'll happen. We will have a sacrifice when we need a sacrifice. That's what Abraham was telling Isaac, and boy, didn't that turn out to be true. But there's a deeper layer of this when when God says, I, you know, when Abraham says God will provide himself, it's not just God's going to provide a sacrifice. It literally is. God will provide himself as the sacrifice. This was not just about what was happening then. It was bigger. It was foreshadowing to the moment when Jesus was on the cross and Paul in the first century helped us understand that on the cross, God was in Christ on the cross reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That's what is foreshadowed way back in this moment. God was trying to communicate something far bigger than Abraham had the mental capacity to know. We can look back now and see it all beautifully laid out. What God was communicating was, Abraham, I'm unlike any God you've ever seen. I'm unlike any God you've ever heard of. God wanted to communicate to Abraham that he was not going to ask Abraham or any of us to make the ultimate sacrifice for him. This sets Christianity apart from all other religions, all other approaches to the divine, all other approaches to God. It's this right here. God does not ask Abraham. He was not going to let Abraham, and he does not ask us to, to make the ultimate sacrifice for him. Instead, God makes the ultimate sacrifice for us. He offered himself through Jesus. You get that? Let that sink in. Isn't that amazing? I mean, when you, when you look at this and go, how could a God ask? How could a God ask? How could a God? Okay, God was never going to allow that because God wanted to make sure that Abraham knew he was unlike anything he'd ever seen. This is a different kind of God. God does not ask us to make the ultimate sacrifice, a child for him. Instead, he makes the ultimate sacrifice, his one and only son for the world. That's what Jesus was talking about in John 3 when he said, for God so loved the world. You know it. That he gave his, here's these words, one and only son. Yeah. It's always bigger. See, you and I have the luxury of looking back and seeing all this. Abraham had no idea. It just proves the point. What God is doing is always bigger. When you look in the mirror and you go, I don't see it, I don't get it, it's always bigger. Hey, just a little bit further. Okay, okay and we got to move on to the, to the second one, but I got to, this is just too good not to, to point out. We still see the promise that God made Abraham playing out in the world around us. We still see it. If you look for it, you can see it. You, you can experience it. You can actually detect it, and, and we live in it all the time, and we just don't see it. It's what it is. But when God says the whole earth is going to be blessed through your descendants, all the nations, all the families of the earth will be impacted through your family, ultimately pointing to Jesus. 
I mean, if you look in the culture today, you and I don't even have the brain width to be able to imagine our culture void of the influence of Christ, void of the influence of the promise that God made Abraham. I mean, just take art, classic art. If you just go back to the world of art, so much of classic art are paintings and depictions and sculptures of these legendary stories that we're doing this series about. Where would art be without Jesus and his influence? Where would music be without the influence? Some of the greatest composers were followers of Jesus. Where would architecture be? Some of the greatest architecture the world has ever seen are houses of worship and churches and cathedrals and I mean, we could go on and on and on. The first hospitals were created by followers of Jesus. Your first colleges and universities were established based upon followers of Jesus that wanted to help other people get the education that they need. I'm just telling you, the world we live in, just our calendar, how many of our holidays are actually connected to holy days? You and I can't even fathom the world around us without the influence of Jesus, specifically tied back to the promise that God made Abraham and said the whole world's gonna be impacted through you because the whole world has been impacted through Jesus. What God is doing in your life, don't ever, don't ever forget this. Whether you see it right now, feel it right now, know it right now or not, but what God is doing in your life, whatever it is, it's bigger than you can imagine. Takeaway number two, this one's more about our here and now. I look at this story and conclude that God's journey with people, once again, it's about trust. It's always been about trust. It always has been about trust. It's still about trust. It's about trust. We try to overcomplicate it. It's about trust. God wants to know, do you trust me? Do you trust me? When it seems crazy, unthinkable, when, when it just seems everything inside of you goes, no, are you willing to trust me? Even then, because I want to prove to you that I can be trusted. And that's what God was going to make sure Abraham knew. See, God tests us. God brings us to situations. And God brings us to moments and allows things in our lives to help us discover and grow in our trust in him. God didn't taste Abraham, didn't taste a test Abraham because he didn't know what was going on in Abraham's life. God doesn't allow us to go through difficult things to test us because God doesn't know. I wonder how she's going to react. I wonder what he's going to say. I wonder what decision they're going to make. No, God knows. God allows us in these kinds of situations so that we can discover something about ourselves to help us grow in our trust. Remember when I went to that foreshadowing moment just a few minutes ago? When Abraham said, okay, y'all stay here with the donkey. Me and the boy are going to go up here, and we're going to worship, and we're going to come right back. What was he thinking? The writer of Hebrews in the New Testament tells us what he was thinking, and it reveals to us just how great the level of trust was that Abraham was growing into. This is what the writer of Hebrews tells us. That Abraham reasoned, that if Isaac died, so it hadn't happened yet, so he's thinking and he's just going through this emotion. If I have to go through with this, God's able to bring him back to life again. <laughs> what? Abraham believes in resurrection. And that was not a thing. That wasn't a thing. It just didn't happen. It didn't happen then. It doesn't happen now. In fact, 
you know, Jesus rising from the dead was the only one we have that self-caused. Any of the other ones that we know about, he did it. Resurrection is a Jesus thing, not an Abraham thing. But Abraham was like, okay, wait a second. God promised me, God promised me many descendants through this kid, this one, and, and this one. Not another one that looks like him, but this one, Isaac. So if God is, he reasoned. And you've got to reason this stuff out. God, so if God is asking me to give him up, then God must be doing, maybe. Okay, the only thing I can figure is that God's going to raise him. And that gave him enough faith to follow through in his trust. Whew. God wanted Abraham to know, you can trust me. So here's the good news. God's never going to ask you to sacrifice your child. Never going to happen. But here's the challenging news. You will be tested at some point, at some level, for you to discover how you need to grow in your trust. God knows but he wants you to know and you to discover. So the question is, how do you need to trust God right now? When I, when I read the story, it brings me to that point. It's always been about trust. How do you need to trust? And I don't mean trust as an empty, well-intended sentiment. Yeah, I trust God. Of course I trust God. I mean, why wouldn't I trust God? I've always trusted God. I don't mean just saying it. I mean displaying it by trusting enough to do something about it. That's what Abraham did. That's what distinguished Abraham's trust and faith. He didn't just have faith, he just didn't trust God, he trusted God and did something about it. Because I can make the argument that you don't really trust God if you're not willing to do something about it. It's just words. Abraham just didn't say it, he displayed it. He trusted God enough to do something about it, to build an altar, lay his son down, and then watch God miraculously come through. Following Jesus is always going to involve sacrifice. Again, you're not going to be asked to sacrifice your child. But there's a reason why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. And if you want to follow me, you're going to have to take up your own cross. And why Paul described following Jesus as we are to offer our lives to God as a living sacrifice. Yeah. So it, it's going to involve sacrifice at some level. That's just normal part of following Jesus. The question is, are you willing to trust God enough to make that sacrifice, whatever it is right now in your life, and trust God enough to do something about it? Or maybe just let me put it as we wrap this up in the form of a question. Where in your life do you need to trust God enough to do something about it? Not just say it, but display it. Where in your career right now? Do you need to just stop saying, oh, I know it's going to be all right. I don't trust God. I just trust God. Okay, fine. And then now what? You trust God, and then what are you going to do about it? You're going to follow through, or are you just saying this? Uh, how about in your relationships, in your marriage, with your kids, in your family? What relationship in your life right now do you need to trust God enough to do something about it, to follow through in the way of Jesus in your marriage, with your children, in your family, in your friendships, in your relationships, in your dating life, or whatever. You need to trust God enough to actually do the hard thing, maybe sacrificial thing even, do something about it. Where in your finances? I mean, we talked about it earlier, going back to the little moment, little family talk we had together. Remember that? 
Yeah, we can say, oh, I trust God. God's going to provide. I trust Jesus. He's going to take care of me. All right, but do you trust him enough to actually do something about it? Do you trust him enough to follow through and live a life of a steward, knowing that everything belongs to God, and I trust God enough to be generous. I trust God enough to give, trusting him to provide what I need in return. Some life decisions, some life direction. I don't know, I don't know, but I bet you could figure it out pretty quick where you need to begin trusting God enough, not to just say it, but to display it, enough to do something about it. When I look at the story, I'm reminded that whatever God is doing in your life and in my life is always bigger. It's always bigger. Don't minimize it. Don't overlook it. Don't assume that it's not happening. Whatever God is doing, even I may not be able to explain it, you may not be able to explain it, we may not be able to see it and feel it, but whatever he is doing, and he is always up to something, it's bigger. You could possibly fathom. Be filled with hope, because that is true. And then know that whatever God is doing is going to bring you and I to a level, to a point of trust. And are we willing to trust what God is doing enough to do something about it and follow him and follow the way of Jesus and live it out. Not just saying it, but displaying it with the way we live. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for this. We need this today. I need this today. Help us to know that whatever you're up to, whatever you're doing in our lives is just bigger. We have the luxury of looking back on Abraham's story and seeing how big it became. And he had no idea how big it was. We don't have the luxury yet of looking into the future and seeing how big the decisions we make to trust and follow you now will become. But we know the pattern is it's always bigger. And only eternity will fully reveal just how big the impact is going to be from our lives. So may we take it seriously and may we be filled with hope and confidence and courage that we can follow you and know that it's always going to involve trust. You're always going to ask us to trust you. And sometimes it's going to be sacrificial and it's going to involve some challenge and some pain and some trial. And it's going to be hard. But you promised to make it worth it in the end. May we trust you. And not just say it, but may we trust you enough to do something about it. Help me to do something about it. Help my brothers and sisters here to do something about their trust in you. So that we can grow in our trust and in our faith. Following in the steps of Father Abraham. And Lord, we thank you for how you teach us through these ancient stories how we should live our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen.